your time. I'm very grateful to anyone who came here tonight. Originally, this was planned as every week on Wednesday evening, but this Wednesday evening was tomorrow night. It is like Bomer. And more importantly, I should say more importantly, but in a sense as important as the finals in the Vachina. And I figured most of you would be learning tomorrow from the Vachina on uh, Thursday. So we made it a, uh, a day earlier. I have a strange kind of drush or sicha prepared today. And uh, it takes in the last five, six, or seven centuries, beginning with uh, Shmini, and then you have Tazria, uh, Sora, and then you have Achimos and Kedoshim, and you have Emor. Now I know I have 20 minutes, so I'll try to keep it down 20 minutes and a bit. I don't know how long the abit will be, but we'll see. I don't think I'll be able to get those in. First, we begin with Shmini. Because with Yom HaShmini, it was the eighth day, according to Rashi, it was the eighth day, by Yehiva Yom HaShmini, the eighth day, and it led to Chodesh Nisan. That was really the first day of Chodesh Nisan. Yamashmini, the Chodesh Nisan, the first day of Chodesh Nisan was the beginning actually of the building of the Mishkan, and the eighth day was the completion of the building of the Mishkan. And uh, it says, by he, by Yamashmini, who come in Mishkan? Now, the word by he, so the Machlokas in Megillah, in Daf Yud, Amit Beis, between Levi and Ravashi. Levi says that Lashon Vayehi is a Lashon Tsar. And Ravashi comes along and he says that Vayehi is not a Lashon Tsar, but a Lashon of Simcha. And if you go to a in you see that Ravashi brings a slew of Sukkim to prove that Vayehi is Lashon Simcha. And there's an equal, almost equal, I didn't count exactly, but certainly it looks, it appears equal from uh, Levi, that is a Lashem Tsar. See, Ora Chaim has a very long explanation, exploratory walk through these, these uh, sukkim, and he says he comes to the conclusion, and the Gemara really says it's Ika and Ika, it's both. Even though it's a Machlokas apparently between Levi and Vashi, Vashi answers him very strongly, but nonetheless it really wasn't a Machlokas even Ravashi admits that Vayihi can be a Russian Tsar, and not only a Russian Simcha, and uh, that Levi too, even though he doesn't say it uh, so openly, probably would have to agree that it could be also Russian Simcha. The argument is only to the extent. What is Russian Simcha and what is Russian Tsar? And was it more Russian Tsar than Russian Simcha, or more Russian Simcha than Russian, uh, Russian Tsar? Uh, now there are different examples I want to give you about this and this is very important but before I wanted to introduce this the next time you find the machine is the next point next to Sedra the Sedra of Tazria Tazria we talk about when a boy becomes is born and if he is a Zohar and 
In the eighth day, we of course perform the the Milah game. So you have the eighth day of the Milah. And uh, we don't have Vayahi necessarily, but it says in the in the Chazal, you find it in the Sifri uh, Chachomim on Rashi. Rashi talks about Nita Nita Asorata Atoros. That four, ten crowns were taken by Moshe. We need ten crowns were taken by Moshe. Taken not by Moshe, but taken by the word Shmi. That that Chodesh Shmi has ten different crowns to it. The first crown he gives is the Maisevashis, the Via Maisevashis. And it seemed to me, this is, a, this is a, one of the Chidushim I have. I have about five or six, I don't know if I can get them all out. It seems to me that it was this incredible affirmation we find in Chazal that we say we have an idea of shoot up my sebaceous. Adam shoot up my sebaceous. A man is a partner in creation. So we see, we see by Yom Yomashmi, and over there we see by Yomashmi, that is uh, voracious. Because we find by Yilash and Simchen, the Pesukim, by Yilash and Simchen, what possible do you have as Yilash and Simchen? What first possible? What's the first possible of Ayyi? And then you have a Rishon, So you have Vayihi is a Lashon Simcha. That's the, the, the origin of the word that Vayihi is a Lashon Simcha. So then suddenly you come with a Brishmila. And over there, you, you don't have necessarily the word Vayihi, but it says over there that he took the ten Atoros. And the first Atorah, the first crown, was that the creation was completed beyond Hashem. She said, so the Chazal, you'll find Chazal, various Chazal, various Mepharshi HaTorah, tell you that uh, when we talk about Shmini, Shmini Am Yuchot, Ha Shmini Yom Ha Shmini, Shmini is a very special month because it has all these crowns attached to it, including, of course, the first of Gracious. And it occurred to me that we have become Yom Ha Shmini in the next Parsha, in the Parsha of Tazriya. And we say over there, that's where you learn the Yud, the Yud Atoros is born in Parshish Vashis. And if you go through the Mepharshim, and I can to hint it to you, that they say that it is Vayom uh, uh, that even as HaKadosh Baruch Hu was so happy on Yom Hashmini because of his creation, he had completed creation. It seems to me that the idea of uh, Adam, Adam, is Sutta of Mice Gracious is followed because the next by Binyak, uh, the next by Yibimay, when it says Shmona Shonayam, is the bris, the very next one. And that's really Shonayam. So it has the same, and the Atorah, the first Atorah, as Rashi refers to, that's found in the Medrash, is the Atorah of Priyasol. So it tells us that Bris Ha'olam and the Milo and the birth of a Jewish boy and the Milo is also connected to this Vayihi, to this bris alone. And to this bris of creativity. So therefore it would seem to me to be, I don't know if there's any source, but everybody knows the, the Chazal say that Odom Shutam Maiseb Maishis. And this may be the, this I thought for the first time in my life, that this could be the Shutam Maiseb Maishis. Then you have a case of Achrimos Kedoshim. 
see, I think that most of you know that after most Kedoshim, whenever we hear a big hesped or we said over somebody, so he really hurried over a Godel and a great man and who contributed so much to uh, the growth of Yiddishkeit and learning and created to the world and a great doctor, whatever it is. So it's really a very, very important thing. And uh, the hesped is important to know it's, but you, but no, no, normally speaking, it's a question whether you're saying the right thing or not, or you're over. You're not supposed to over exaggerate uh, the the Leviah. So we have over here. We say Achrimos Kedoshim. We say, you know, a man he didn't do anything in life. He may not have been even a good fellow in life. But when they make a Levi, when they make a Hesper for him, you say Achrimos. After he's dead already, Kedoshim. He's Kedoshim. The first case of Achrimos Kedoshim is another Vavi. And in one of the strangest ways, and this again touches, I'm not going to go into it directly, touches my focus of Ravashi and Lady. And how did it impinge upon the Nadavavi? Uh, we know what Nadavavi came with, it, with uh, an H Zara. And because of that, they were both incinerated immediately. And, and that day was supposed to be the happiest day of the Jewish calendar. And it, according to a Chazal and others interpret it, it's really one of the saddest days. I mean, we, can't, we live in a day of, in a year, in a time of Holocaust. So how can we say that two people, but these two people represented everything. So here you have them. So I, I want you to say, Yerachim, I left out. He says, it's not only that both you have, you have both things. You have that it's sorrow, you have pain, and you also have simcha. And that's what, in the argument between Levi, what he's saying at the end is, the truth of the matter is that we all have both. We all have both. And uh, when another uh, left, and of course Aaron was devastated, and he couldn't eat from the carbon, and Moshe Rabbeinu was upset with him, we told you to supposed to eat, and he said, in a moment like this, you expect me to be able to eat from this carbon. So uh, Moshe feels that he has to uh, come to uh, Aaron and tell Aaron, and what does he tell Aaron? So he says to Aaron, he says, who wash a deeper? This is the thing that uh, I knew, he says Aaron, that there's going to be some terrible tragedy on the day of the dedication of the Mishkan. I knew that. And I knew that there would be korbanos, and the korbanos would take, be taken not necessarily from the lowest strata, but from the highest strata. And that's why your children died. I thought it would be either you and me, you or me. And in the end, it was Narabhi. So Narabhi was greater Sadiqim Khubadai. They were more covered than me. And that's what the and that's what we find in the so we say Afre Mos Kedoshim over there, Afre Mos Kedoshim is different than everybody else. You make a husband for a guy, for a person, for whoever passes away, and the husband is a, a very fine husband, but maybe not really uh, Correlate to the man's life. Over here, on the surface, it doesn't correlate to a man. So I wanted to tell you something and bring in a very important personality. I don't have much time to speak about it. And that is about Dr. Belkin. I heard from Dr. Belkin a, a, a bunch of Russian, there must have been 50, 60 people there. And it was in the 50s, I suppose. Uh, and uh, we talked about another of our views. That was his topic. And I don't recall exactly what he said. And he, he said, Dr. Belton was a tremendous elite from Rodney. And he received smicha from the Chaim when he was 17 years old. Said to be the youngest 
buffer. The youngest one ever to receive smicha from the Chavetz Chaim. And he came to America, and he lost his father. His father was killed before him. The, I think it was the, uh, in the battle between the white Russians and the red Russians and the communists. And they killed the father. They walked into the home, and they shot him dead in front of him. He came to America. He never went to public school. He never went to an elementary school in his life, but he was in Italy. And ultimately, Dr. Rev, I think, and he himself aspired to get into a university. He wanted to learn. This is 1929, 1930, 31, 32, in that area. And without ever going to a kindergarten, without going into an elementary school, a high school, a college, nothing, when they interviewed him and when they examined him and they gave him some kind of test that he didn't go to college, he hardly knew how to speak English. They took him into Brown University, which is a uh, college, an Ivy League college. And he graduated from the top of the class. And then later, Dr. Rebel, who sent him there, we got him to the university, brought him to Yeshiva, and he made him the second highest rest Yeshiva. He was 27 years old, 28 years old. The old, the main rest Yeshiva, actually, the two main rest Yeshiva were Moshe Salavetchik, and Dr. Rebel. And he put him just a little below the two. And in fact, he had some of the outstanding students. This is all, it's a, it's a fairy tale. Anyway, he said the following thing. His, he got his doctorate on, he became a Greek scholar, and particularly, he was a scholar uh, in the life and thought of Philo. Did you ever hear of Philo here? I think everybody did. How many people have heard of Philo? Raise your hands. Okay. So Philo was a great, he was a great Jewish leader in Alexandria. Alexandria was a, was a giant town, maybe had over a close to a million Jews here. It had more Jews than the Israel had at that period. And they used to have it, and that's what he said. He discovered there was an exchange of of letters going from Alexandria to Erzisola to Bubba. And, and at that time, he was a, he lived at the same time, and that's very curious, this happened, imagine it, was to Reb Shimon ben Yechai. So Reb Shimon ben Yechai is going to be honored in that tomorrow night. That's a lot moment. And these, and they would come and send Midrashim together, the Torah, and they would exchange. And one of the things they said, why would Nodavavir, why in the end did they come to such a terrible End of life. And uh, according to our metrics, does anybody know why our, why, what happened? Does anybody remember the metrics there? The reason was because they never got married. And they never got married because they were a little haughty. Because as any sheet up that was proposed to them, they said it doesn't have the right yichus. And they discovered that no one in their eyes could have the right yichus for them to marry. After all, he, they were the children of Ara and the nephews of Moshe Rabbeinu, and they were going to be the kind who were going to start the, the, the Mishkan, they were going to do the first Tavod in the Mishkan. So they, I mean, they, they had a sense of self, and because of that sense of self, they were, they were that's according to the measures, the measures that we have, that's what we have. So Dr. Belkin said at that time that he saw that in the, there's another measures, a different version of the measures, which he found among the Alexandrian Jewish community papers, and, and what Philo had found, and Philo had made a sermon at Joshua on this. He used to speak every Shabbos, go over to Parshas Yeshivuah to the Jews of uh, Alexandria, and then wherever he said was sent all over in different languages to different parts of the, of the known world at that time. And uh, uh, Dr. Buck says, there it says the reason they did not get married was not because they were haughty. The reason they did get married was because they aspired 
to be more kadosh. And they felt they became celibate. They wanted to practice celibacy. They didn't want to marry. They didn't want to live with a woman. They, they thought if they abstained entirely, they would be more kadosh than someone who does go into a married life. And we know that there were some major religions believed that too. And they had a lot of trouble. And because of that, uh, uh, they were punished. So I want you to understand, that's what I think Moshe Rabbeinu came. Moshe Rabbeinu said, you should know that we, that I sort of, you or I, Aaron, who would be cut down on this time. I, he doesn't explain why God wanted to have somebody be a kabbalist there, okay. But in the end, I see that he picked your, your sons because they were bigger than us. But how they were bigger than us? According to our understanding, they weren't bigger to us. And when you read when he's touching, even according to that message, they weren't bigger. But they were bigger than you when you understood that other metric of, uh, uh, of, uh, of Alexandria, Philos, they used the same, essentially, with the measures as matches. There were still differences here and there. Then we understand that even though they weren't bigger and they died and they were, they were incinerated, it was a terrible death. And it's a, it's a sadness that has remained with the Jewish people, whether they know it or not. But it's part of the, of the, of the Jewish history uh, that has never left us. And uh, why he was a kadosh, they were kadosh, both of them were kadosh, is because they aspired to be kadosh. So you have right after the parsha of uh, Shmi and Hajim Surah, you have parsha Achrimos, two parshas of Achrimos kadosh, kadosh. It isn't two, but this year it was two Achrimos kadosh. And Achrimos, that Achrimos, after death, they were kadosh. Because they died for that principle. And therefore, what does Chazal say about their death? What happened to them when they died? So the Chazal tell us there was a Srefas Neshama Lugufo Kayum. Their soul was incinerated and burned, but their body remained. And I say, that was really, the soul was incinerated. You wanted to be, I think this is the punishment was, was telling. Not about you. You wanted to be more kadosh. You wanted to be absolutely kadosh. You didn't want to have anything to do with everyday life. So your punishment was that it was the soul that was entirely burned. To teach you that not only weren't you kadosh more, but you lost your whole kadusha because of that point of view that you had. And that's another thing, the first time I ever felt it. And this is also, I think, a, a complete... Uh, new view of, of this. Now the last Pasha, and I'm going to leave it off over here. What time is it now? I can't read it. What was it, 10 minutes to 10? <laughs> See, I, I, I can't read. <laughs> anyway, I'm going, to, I'm going to stop with this one. This we said is Pasha's Ebar. And Parshish Emor begins, of course, with the Parsha of the prohibition. And it goes by levels. Frankonim can go to the funeral of their parents. But when you come according to Gadol, you can't go to your parents' funeral. You can't even see the funeral. The Kohen Gadol used to walk a bot behind, but before he could, he wasn't behind a bot. He was in the street coming in. And when they vacated that street, they went to the next street. Then the coin was permitted to go. But he couldn't. Why do we have this? Why? And I think 
that, and, and there, are, there are many, many uh, points of view. You look at the Rishon, when I never, and you will find why the Kanyim, and you look at the, unfortunately, I mean, the, at the Mitros Dolls, and they all, always say it. Oh, I have it here someplace, I don't look for it. Because the greatest Amunah, the Kohen, he should say, Kohen, Das comes to him. The Kohen is supposed to emulate, not emulate, he has to be the Godel Hadar. In the time, that's the way it was planned. And he had to be such a big Godel Hadar. Not only a Godel in knowledge, but he had to be a Godel in Amunah. And the greatest Amunah a person could have is if he believes in Olam Haba. If he believes this is what all the Shem say, you'll see it. The Arachayim says it. The, uh, everyone that says it. Sparno says it. They all say it. In one way or another. And the greatest emuna is when, is death. Death makes us sad. It throws us into terrible sadness and pain. And that's the thing that most of us feel. And one of the examples given by one of the Farshay Torah, he says that a man sends his son to, to get something for him from someplace, and somehow the son doesn't return. And he, he looked all over for him, and for years the son was, was missing. And then finally he sends somebody in another exhibition expedition to find him. What is he saying when he, that he feels that the sun is only one away from this place here? But he must be someplace else. He's still here. He must be someplace Otherwise, he wouldn't have sent that person. Because that's the kind of amuna people have to have. We shouldn't, have we shouldn't be tested. The amuna that there is a Noam Hapa. The amuna that there will be when you leave with such an amuna, and the only one who could possess that amuna in truth, and that was the aspiration of the Torah when he made a coin god, when he expected of a coin god, was to have absolute amuna that he doesn't have to follow. He loves his mother and father. He knows how much he owes them. And he must have been a tzaddik. A tzaddik who said, Oh, until become a coin god if, if it were normal situations. And yet, he can't. He can't do it because he has to show the, the community that after you die, you're still alive. You're alive in a different world in the and you come back to life in this world again. Thank you.